2: Basketball podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit on DraftKings. That'll get you a free contest entry today. Thursday, October 22nd. We are now five days out from the start of the NBA regular season. That kicks off on Tuesday night. Nick Whalen here, joined by James Anderson, as I always am on Thursdays. James, how's it going?
1: Not bad, man. Uh, I was trying to wrap my head around how the James Harden breaking up with Khloe Kardashian affects his fantasy stock and just the overall stock of the Rockets. Because stock up. I think, so yeah, like I want to say stock up because you, you don't have that sort of affecting his life negatively anymore, but you also kind of look at guys that have broken up with a Kardashian and it's not – you know a long list of success stories really athletically but a lot of these guys aren't really on Harden's level skill wise either so it, it's kind of a tough comparison to make but I think the, the Rockets are probably pretty pretty thrilled by this.
2: Right well you got a guy like Chris Humphreys you you know kind of took a downturn a uh, Minnesota gopher Chris Humphreys right. I should say go- Reggie go Bush it. was never really the same right. after he broke up with Kim well, Kardashian. Well but like
1: so those guys you just don't know Like, I'm trying to think back to, like, back when they were dating their Kardashian. Like, were they really good players? Like, because I don't think Reggie Bush or Chris Humphreys have ever really been, Well, when did
2: Reggie Bush date Kim Kardashian? Was that, like, when he was in Miami, or it wasn't, like, the end of his USC time, was it? Saints. I mean, it was
1: Saints possibly semi-crossing over to Miami, but it wasn't. Okay. um, I think he probably met, like, he probably met her through, like, his USC connections, so... I, I do think Chris Humphreys probably peaked during his Kim Kardashian okay. dating phase if you look you know he was with the Nets at
2: that point right and the only reason that I remember that is because of the doesn't Kanye have some sort of lyric in uh I don't know what song it is I think it was that Theraflu song he mentioned something about Jay, like Jay-Z dropping him from the team um, okay so I think he was on the nets at that point And you look 2010 2011 average 10 and 10 2011 mm-hmm. 2012 14 11 an assist and a half, more than a block per game, and almost a steal per game. Now, so, were
1: these just – weren't? I mean, were these numbers just influenced by minutes, though? Or oh, yeah, when I mean, he was yeah. playing 35 minutes a game. So, but, like, I think that he gets – like, Chris Humphreys does what he does, like, when he gets, like, minute. I mean, it's all just minute. I don't see, right. like, his permanent production necessarily dropping – or rise, or spike, yeah, necessarily. We need there. to
2: get, like, 538 on this or something to do yeah. some sort of, like,
1: Kardashian factor. I mean, you, you just, it's it's really kind of impossible to know, like, how bad of an influence, um, you know, the whole Lam- Lamar Odom thing. Like, you know, for someone to have that many, like, issues off the court, like, obviously the, the person they were last dating you can't assume that that's like a good thing that you don't want your star player to be kind of doing that uh, Mm -hmm. or hanging around just with the, those people in general. So I think generally like spike up, uh, maybe he's going to be playing angry. I don't know if he's upset or happy by this. Well, we don't,
2: this is a very (laughs) odd situation because like, as of yesterday morning, they were still dating at least in the public eye. Right. And, And then, and then, and then he's annulling this divorce with Lamar Odom. Like, did she just call up James Harden and, you know, say, hey, I'm getting back with Lamar. Yeah. Uh, he's changed. <laughs> no. Like, I don't know. It just seems like, like was it just like a split decision? Or, you know, maybe they broke up a week or two ago and we just didn't hear about it, which seems I unlikely. Mean,
1: it's probably, uh, you know, maybe he just, it's, it's better, it's more kind of an off-season type of thing that you want to do if you're James Harden, I'm sure. That, he doesn't like, seem
2: like much of a commitment guy.
1: I would hope that he wasn't planning on committing to mm-hmm. anything to do with that but uh yeah i mean i, I think it's really kind of nice timing i guess for him i mean he's going to be single presumably all season uh you know that that kind of works out well so i you know i think the whole her going back to lamar is is pretty funny and and interesting and not surprising at all but uh, I guess we should get on to, to more pressing issues, but... Yeah, I mean? absolutely.
2: Uh, just a reminder before we get into uh, what we want to talk about today, all of our RotoWire podcasts are available on iTunes, they're also available on Stitcher, and you can listen and download from the RotoWire website. Just go to rotowire.com slash podcast, and you'll be able to find them all there. So what we want to talk about, um, you know, as we continue our miscellaneous podcast leading up... To the start of the regular season. Once the regular season starts, you know we can start analyzing games. We can start previewing, uh, talking about individual players a little bit more. But what we want to do is just go team by team um, and talk about maybe the most overrated player and the most underrated player on each roster. We can color this from a fantasy perspective in a lot of ways. Um, you know, looking at it, fantasy, non-fantasy. I think they're going to overlap for the most part. Um, but we'll get right to it. We'll start. In the Eastern Conference, with the Boston Celtics, who's your most overrated player on this roster heading into the 2015-16 season?
1: I'm gonna say Marcus Smart, just because I I think that he is probably viewed as uh, their best asset and kind of their their most crucial building block, I guess. And I I don't I mean I you could maybe make that case, but I don't think he's a guy that you should be building around. I don't necessarily even think he's a guy that should be starting on a team with playoff aspirations. So. I think you can make that case
2: on this team relative to who else is around, right? Like if he, if you throw him on 20, 25 other teams, mm-hmm. he's you know nowhere near the best well, asset.
1: And I thought he was overrated coming out of college too. So it's, it, I would have probably picked Marcus Smart if he was on 10 or 15 other teams as well. I just, I don't, I'm not a big fan of his game. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I I guess I don't know how many people think he's going to be great, but uh, just picking from this roster, he would be uh, my guy there. What about you?
2: I went with Jared Sullinger. Um, I think he, at this point, is more of a name than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, A guy who's a really good college player, a big recruit coming out, uh, coming into Ohio State. Three years into the NBA, he didn't really do much as a rookie, only played in about half of their games. And his numbers were pretty much identical each of the last two seasons. Very low efficiency on offense for a big man. I mean, shooting around 42 43%. That's extremely low. Shoots a lot of three-pointers, right around three per game, but just at a 27% clip. I think he he just kind of wants to be, or maybe doesn't want to be, but is at this point a a good stats, kind of empty stats, bad team type of guy. Um, I think he would thrive on the Sacramento Kings or the Philadelphia 76ers. And I, I think the way that this Boston team is trending coming off of a playoff appearance, you know, strong leadership in place with Brad Stevens, I think Selinger kind of falls out of the rotation for a lot of this season, especially if they stay healthy. I think they're going to go with that top four of Zeller, Olenek, Lee, and Amir Johnson, and he's kind of going to be on the outside looking in just because I don't know what he exactly does well other than volume rebound, and, you know, he kind of kills you efficiency-wise offensively, and he's not a very good defender.
1: Yeah, definitely think that's fair. Uh, You know, it was kind of an easy call to either go with him or smart for me, so... Uh, glad you mentioned him, uh, for, for underrated, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, front court made of his and Amir Johnson. Uh, this, this is kind of more of a real life than fantasy pick just cause I think his, his defense, uh, was kind of a big part of the, the Raptors sort of overperforming, you know, maybe what that roster looked like it was capable of a lot of those years, just, uh, you know, the, the ability to guard fours and fives, uh, we, we talked about how he's actually a pretty sneaky good uh, shooter. So, I mean, I think that kind of gets overlooked with him. He's not a guy that puts up major stats, like the, the type of numbers you would look for from like an elite defender in the post. But uh, I definitely think he can handle his own down there, which is why he's going to probably get minutes over Sollinger.
2: Right. Um, underrated player. I like Isaiah Thomas. I don't know if you know he's necessarily a—he's you know, certainly a household name at this point. Um, you know, a guy who was a big part of the reason that they made it to the playoffs. Only started one game all of last season. And that was when he was still with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, in that three point guard rotation with Goran Dragic and Eric Bledsoe, he goes to Boston. Sees pretty much the same minutes load, but his you know everything everything increased from accounting stats perspective. Mm-hmm. Nineteen points per game, five and a half assists, just two rebounds, which is kind of what you get with a five nine point guard. Um, you're not going to give you anything as far as blocks decent steals numbers his, his defensive numbers his steals numbers went down when he went to Boston he was at one per game with Phoenix that regressed down to 0.6 per game you know kind of tough to predict in such a small sample size um, efficiency wise decreased as well but he just started basically he started taking more shots and he started attacking the rim more 6.5 free throw attempts per game uh, in just 26 minutes so I think if, if his minutes load increases at all this season if he can creep more towards uh, 30 minutes per game this is a guy that really could be knocking on the door of, of scoring 20 points per game and what might end up being a bench roll
1: yeah no I mean I, I don't think he's fantasy owners definitely kind of know about him just because of all the volume scoring but I, I definitely agree that you know in general uh, people may not realize how efficient or how valuable he can be at that spot who is your underrated guy uh, Amir Johnson Amir John- okay okay let's move on to the
2: Brooklyn Nets um, my overrated guy for this team is somebody who's been one of the more dependable players in the league. Um, you know, for the better part of the last decade, really. Joe Johnson. Um, I think at age 34, he, he turned 34 in June. I think he's just gonna he's gonna have to start declining at some point. And and he's slightly declined over the last three years since coming to Brooklyn. Uh, minutes load really hasn't declined. I mean, he's, he's still playing up in the mid 30s per game. I don't know that that necessarily changes this year. This is not going to be a very deep Brooklyn team. Um, I guess my question to you first before we get into Johnson's, do you think this Brooklyn team thinks they can compete no. in the Eastern Conference?
1: No, but no? it's – they're, like – they're. One I think of, they'll the, trick themselves into it. No, though. no. <laughs> well, I, I don't think so. – I just don't think so. I think that, like, Mikhail Prokhorov is kind of in a spot with this team where he sort of doesn't want anything to do with it because he knows that they – Knows that they can't compete, and he also knows that they're in a spot where they can't, like, rebuild really either because they don't have the picks to do so. They don't have the assets to, to go and get picks. So they're just kind of if – you, if you own this team, you're going to watch, like, I don't know, a dozen of their games probably. Like, I wouldn't they, even, like, tune into them.
2: They might be the most unwatchable team yeah. of a lot of unwatchable teams in the Eastern Conference, right?
1: Yeah, they're just – they don't have anything really to – to get you excited on a night-to-night basis? Well,
2: they went they went all in, was it two seasons ago, on the Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Brooke Lopez core, which got them into the playoffs. Uh, I think it got them into the second round. I believe they knocked off Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it was kind of what we expected with this this aging roster that just can't get by, you know, an uber-talented team. I think they, were, they ended up being ousted by Cleveland, uh, or no, Miami, excuse me, uh, when LeBron was still there. Ever since then, you know, it, it was kind of a boomer bust season and I think we all saw this coming, you know, the after effect of trading those draft picks, getting rid of your younger assets to bring in older aging players. And, you know, the only guy who remains or the only two guys who remain from that core are Brooke Lopez and Joe Johnson. Like we just said, Johnson's thirty four years old, who knows how long he'll still even be around, one of the highest paid players in the league. Brooke Lopez is a really nice asset. I like him quite a bit. Uh Thaddeus Young in this role I like because he's gonna see a ton of minutes. They really don't have many other options behind him, but I don't like Jarek Jack as the point guard there. I don't like uh Bojan Bogdanovich starting at shooting guard and what's gonna be a pretty gross rotation at that spot. Um so yeah, I think we're, I think Brooklyn <laughs> thinks they can compete, but I don't think they will get anywhere near competing.
1: Yeah, we're we're talking way too much about the Brooklyn Nets right now. Uh my my uh over or my my overrated is, is actually Lopez who I know you're what? probably higher on than I am, but uh, I just don't think you can really win with a center like that anymore. Uh, a guy that's kind of an offense first, needs the ball to contribute type of guy. I just don't. I don't really see any even semi recent examples of that working. Uh, there just aren't that many centers like that in the league anymore. Right. Really. I, I think you 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 kind of you can kind of look back and maybe say like Shaq was like that, but I mean Shaq's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Shaq's guy. <laughs> so do you, I you want know, to make the Brooke Lopez can... Shaq comparison? Yeah, No, I, I think that you you really need your, your center to either be uh, a guy that can play offense and defense or just a guy who is probably better at defense than offense, I think. You don't you don't want the offense only guy at center. I think I like Brook Lopez more as a fantasy guy uh than sure. a real than a real guy i, I mean, also he, don't think he plays more than like 60 games this year
2: yeah i mean he played 72 last season quite a few of those ended up coming off the bench uh and what was ended up being a kind of a weird second half rotation under lionel Hollins. i think lopez gets to probably 20 points per game i think he can get you know the rebounding is just such a bizarre thing with this guy i mean seven feet tall big-bodied, fairly athletic for his frame, uh, you know, not, not necessarily somebody I would consider a stiff. I mean, he's, he's close to that, but athletic enough that, you know, averaging a career average of 7.3 rebounds is absurdly low. Um, so that's kind of the big knock on him, but he does get decent blocks numbers despite not really being a great defender, uh, you know, approaching two per game most seasons. So I think the value is going to be there, especially from a fantasy perspective. Underrated player. I have Wayne Ellington. (laughs) This is just kind of a close your eyes and point at the depth chart. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I I guess this maybe reflects on how little confidence I have in Bojan Bogdanovich. I think, you know, Wayne Ellington's not a guy that you want to be targeting by any means in drafts, but, you know, I think the upside is certainly there. The shooting guard position is maybe a little bit more wide open than any other spot. People
1: are a little too quick, I think, to roster guys uh, at this time of year or, like, draft guys this time of year just based on, oh Bog- Bogdanovich is going to get minutes he's their starter like that's that's a big part of it but it's also he's not good so don't don't just roster these guys like Jeremy Lin or or whoever right. you know that you think's going to get minutes doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be that valuable my underrated guy and this is also one that I'm I'm just I have to pick a guy uh, Markel Brown I you know his numbers were pretty terrible last year but I think that in time, there's there's a chance here that he could develop into a like a Tony Allen type of defender, uh, and just be okay uh, offensively to the point where you could play him like twenty twenty five minutes a game. I, I don't think that that's a super super likely scenario, but he's someone that I don't think that many people have on their radar. So, well, he's one uh, of the few
2: young guys that has any sort of upside really right. on this roster. Yeah, I, I mean
1: think- he's he's he was one of the best athletes. To come out of that draft class so i think if he can just get to like 32 percent on his three-point shot i think he could definitely be a uh, asset off the bench for a team
2: all right the new york knicks i have uh Derek williams as my most overrated player on this team a guy who's played really well he's still the rated
1: what is he still rated highly
2: I think he is. I think. I think. Uh, Who this rates him highly? I think I've read a couple articles about Derrick Williams. I think somebody used the phrase "playing the best basketball since he was in Arizona Wildcat." and That's Ooh. probably true. Well, um, then,
1: yeah, I mean, it's hard to top the way yeah, he was playing in exactly. Arizona. That's
2: not saying a whole. Well, I mean, it's not saying a whole lot relative uh, to what he did with Minnesota and Sacramento. Um, this is another one too, where it's like you look at this Knicks team, and it's like you know i don't want to say carmelo anthony's overrated i think Uh i think he's going to get a ton of shots i think he's going to provide quite a bit of value aaron afalo is one of the most you know consistently solid shooting guards in the league Mm uh you know we already know what jose calderon gives you you know what you're going to get from robin lopez i i just think if you the reason i you know say derrick williams might be overrated is just because of how well he's played in the preseason that might kind of sucker some people uh into taking a flyer on him and i just want to emphasize that that is the wrong decision
1: okay um that's that's definitely fair uh I will say that, yeah, I, I, I'm tempted to say Carmelo, but I think everyone kind of knows what he is, so it's it's hard to say that he's overrated. Uh, I I typically don't like superstars with his kind of skill set, but I'll, I'll say Langston Galloway is overrated. I mean, I, I obviously he did what he was asked to do last year and and stepped in and played a, a pretty large role on that Knicks team, but. You know, the guy can't really shoot efficiently. I mean, he's, he's okay from three-point range, but uh, not not great on his, his other shot. Shot under 40% overall last year. Not a guy that I, I see as a true point guard either. So really someone that, that really shouldn't be seeing minutes and only does because of the team he's on.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good pick. I think the point guard situation is probably the biggest question mark for this Knicks team. Uh, they, they did a lot to improve, and they had certainly had – plenty of room for improvement Uh, if you look at the guys who were getting a lot of minutes for this team last season they shored up the shooting guard spot I wouldn't say they necessarily shored up the power forward spot but at least you have a a very high upside guy in Porzingis who you can develop there Uh, you know like we said Derek Williams has played well jury's certainly still out on him Kyle O'Quinn Kevin Serafin two younger guys who you know have been mostly bench players haven't really had a chance to show much yet and you know they did solidify the center spot with Robin Lopez so I think this Knicks team at least is a little bit more watchable this season underrated player for them I went with Christoph Porzingis. I think most people his stock has kind of gone so up and down since the pre-draft process you know he was a you know can't miss foreign prospect at first and then all of a sudden Phil Jackson comes out and says he's more of a project and then now he looks like he's going to start at power forward to begin the year I don't know what the minutes load is going to look like for him. I think he's he looks like a guy who could end up getting in foul trouble super super easily, and I think that'll probably be the case. So that maybe limits his value a little bit. But if he is starting at power forward, and you look at the options behind him, um, you know he clearly has the most kind of cross category upside of a lot of those guys. And if he can, if he ends up being the shooter that people think he can be, I think there's a lot of value there, and I think he's going to clean up as a rebounder just because of that size.
1: Yeah, it's it's really hard to value Porzingis this year and going forward right now i mean he could be you know one of the three or four best guys from that class but just jury's kind of still out there uh for most underrated i mean there's (laughs) there's some guy i mean like i kind of sort of like Cleanthony early as a prospect um i'm gonna say kevin seraphim just because i think for fantasy purposes if there ever gets to be a point where He's seeing, like, 25 to 30 minutes a game, which is obviously possible on this Knicks team if, if say, they're really limiting Porzingis' minutes or Derek Williams falls out of favor. I think you could see that happen, and at that point, I think Serafin becomes a guy that could be, you know, a double-double every other night type of type of player. I mean, his, his career per 36-minute stats are, like, 15 and 8, so... I think about a block and a half or something like that per game. So I think that that's going to be useful if he becomes a, a big part of their front court rotation, but obviously not a guy that you want to be giving that many minutes to, but just no. a guy that guy you shouldn't forget about on the waiver wire. If, if something happens, right. Uh, and he's played minutes. well in, in certain stints with Washington over
2: the years, but you know, kind of a loaded yeah. front court there and just hasn't had a chance to shine. The Philadelphia 76ers overrated player for me is Nick Stauskas. Um, a guy who was really never given uh, much of a chance, I think, with Sacramento. That's that's a team that when I when I look at players who wind up in Sacramento, you almost have to throw it out just because of how dysfunctional that organization is and the, you know, the coaching situation there. And just top to bottom, a tough situation for any rookie to enter into. But coming off a pretty disastrous rookie season, 37% shooting, 32% from three for a guy who was kind of billed as a knockdown shooter in college and had great numbers. At Michigan, just four points per game, and ended up really buried on the bench for most of the year. He comes to Philadelphia, penciled in as a starting shooting guard right now. I just don't really trust this Seventy Sixers rotation that kind of brings guys in, pushes guys out at, at on the whim. Really.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a call. I agree with. I, I might have gotten there myself. Uh, instead, I will go with. Ah uh, man, this I, I might uh, this this one I might have a hard time backing up, but I I've always kind of been on the low end of of the Nerlens Noel bandwagon, and you know that's that's fine. Uh, I, I just <laughs> that's fine according like, to me. Like I I would I, I would like I'd prefer a guy like Nikola Mirotic to Nerlens Noel. Like I, I'd rather have a an offense first. Like wing, kind of big, like that. I mean, Nerlens Noel is a guy that is not going to be playing super close to the basket on offense with with Jalil Okafor on the court. And at that point, he basically becomes a complete non-factor. I mean, he can't shoot. Uh, he can't shoot, and
2: he doesn't have the smooth release that suggests he's going to be shooting right. anytime no, he's soon. He's just not it's a guy that's gonna. Release.
1: He's not a guy that's ever gonna shoot well, and he doesn't really have. Much of a back to the basket game, either. So, I think when Jalil Okafor is off the court, that's still going to be an issue for him to, to score effectively. It's basically going to be on putbacks and transition dunks. And obviously, the defense is nice. Like, I, I definitely love that. But I think people, if you think he's going to become anything more than he is right now offensively, I think that you're probably mistaken. I also kind of hold it against him. I don't know if this is fair or not, but like, his. The team that was kind of like his Kentucky team was like by far the worst of all the Kentucky teams. Like the you know they went to the it's, NIT. I believe. It's a, yeah, it's a. Still, but to be I fair, mean, he did get hurt midway through that season. But they were still like, terrible without him. Yeah, or with him. Yeah, like it, it's it's definitely a hard thing to hold a guy up to. Like oh, well, you weren't as good as Cousins or Anthony Davis or or you know Karl Towns or whatever. But like I mean, he's definitely by far the worst of those guys uh, in terms of getting you know being on a winning team. Uh, to date so he's he'd be my guy there although I I definitely get you know fantasy I mean it's really rare to get a guy that does what he does in blocks and steals but
2: yeah I think the steals are the biggest thing for him and I I almost think he kind of underachieved as far as those blocks numbers I mean two a game for a guy who's basically a shot blocking specialist I just
1: think it's going to be interesting to see how how Okafor sort of affects him because last year (laughs) all to me. Right. Last year, I mean, Noel could basically just kind of roam and just do whatever uh, defensively, whereas this year, Okafor is going to probably be kind of in his space a lot. And, you know, obviously, Okafor is not a great defender. So uh, interesting to see how those two complement each other.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The underrated player, uh, I went with a, a couple guys, I guess, or a position group for Philadelphia. TJ McConnell? Who
1: well, maybe whoever gets
2: whoever whoever is the starting point guard for this team i think will be an underrated fantasy asset just because if you look at some of the names here i don't think it's going to be tj mcconnell i know I, I was despising yeah, him uh, for a number of reasons most like mostly Whoa. linked to the wisconsin Whoa. arizona meetings Whoa. uh the last two ncaa tournaments um but isaiah cannon pierre jackson uh, Kendall Marshall if those are the three guys to me that I think could end up really starting for this team I think Cannon and Jackson and especially Cannon probably have a little bit of an upper hand from a fantasy perspective if Isaiah Cannon starts he might he might attempt 10 three-pointers per game
1: yeah I, I was actually gonna go more specific and I was gonna say Kendall Marshall's my underrated guy okay. um, obviously not even close to the the scoring upside or defensive upside but guys that can rack up assists like he can are very very rare, especially uh, like guy you can grab off the waiver wire. Because I mean, I, I don't expect him to get drafted in in too many formats. And he's a guy that like everywhere he goes finds somehow finds a way into like the coach's good graces. It, and I think it's just because of like his style as like a true point guard, like a true you know setting up his teammates point guard. Uh, So I think that there might come a time this year when he's seeing, you know, 25, 28 minutes a game. It might not be for more than like a month or so. But, you know, if you're paying attention and can get him in uh, for that stretch, I mean, there's going to be tons of assists to be had there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And kind of an assist specialist in a lot of ways. The Toronto Raptors, underrated player to me, excuse me, overrated player to me, Damari Carroll. Um, I'm a little bit worried about how he transitions to this team. I mean, by the end of last year, I think a lot of people were almost trying to make the argument that he was the best player, the most valuable
1: player, maybe. Nobody to that, to was that making that argument.
2: To, I think there were people saying he was the most integral piece to their That's success. That's just so he's stupid. Not, he's not How many? Let me ask
1: it. you this. How many times was the term bulldog mentality used to describe Damari Carroll? Cause I think I it was, was pretty more sure than more used, than the names Damari right, Carroll. Right, right. Like, just plays with a bulldog mentality, man. Yeah. Like, Okay, all right. <laughs> I will say he has he has apparently
2: dyed his dreadlocks. They're looking very future-like uh, this offseason. That's, that's so the I, move. I, I like that, and exactly, it's definitely the move this offseason if you're an NBA player with dreadlocks. So I think you know that that's certainly going to help his stock. But I just see he was a guy that fit perfectly with the other four players in that Atlanta system, and I think moving him to a different uh, you know a different country, I guess technically, and uh, obviously a different system, a different franchise. I don't know. I don't know that he is going to be a huge fantasy producer for this team. I think he's a guy that can transition pretty seamlessly because of what he brings defensively. You know, any, any team needs a good, a good defensive wing. Um, but I also think his skill set fit in perfectly with, with the backcourt, you know, Teague and Kyle Corver and, you know, with DeRozan and Lowry and just a, a completely different fit here. I don't know if he's going to be as efficient as he was offensively.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I definitely, definitely get that. Uh, I mean, do we think? Can I say Terrence Ross? I mean, is, or is he just properly rated lowly at this point? Like, I I would overrated. For for yeah, I think I could, I think you could talk people into. him I mean, being it, it to me, it's either Demar Derozan or Terrence Ross yes. for most uh, overrated, and you know, Terrence Ross is a guy to me that really probably shouldn't be. A rotation player on on a on a good team and so for that for that reason i'd say that he's overrated because he he might be again for the raptors uh de is just one of those like 90s shooting guards that is you know your classic you know 18 footers and 15 footers and a lot of dribbling uh just not someone that you know he can't shoot threes which is really a a big Achilles heel if you're a shooting guard in today's game and you know obviously very efficient from the line uh, you know average maybe slightly above average defender but you know just the fact that he can't shoot threes to me is is not where I'd want to go right if he
2: could shoot threes we're we're not having this conversation at all I mean he's
1: very solid as a rebounder you know almost five per game you know
2: not a great passer by any means but
1: it's just over. it's a like if you are not a well above average defender and you can't shoot threes, then it's just really hard to kind of have a have a good scheme with you on the court at shooting guard.
2: Right, he's just kind of a better version of Gerald Henderson, sure. really in a yeah. lot of ways. I mean, great athlete, uh, maybe does a little bit more offensively, a better attacker, but it's just odd. He hasn't really done anything to improve that three point shooting. No. I mean, he took 210 attempts in 2013, 14, shot 30 percent. And, you know, rather than improving that, and obviously it's much easier said than done, um, his attempts, he's cutting more than half. He just took 88 attempts last season and only played 60 games. Um, but, you know, fewer, you know, basically cut his attempts just about in half per game. And you can't have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about this mostly, I think, in connection with Giannis in Milwaukee. You don't even have to be a good three-point shooter, but you have to be a threat and just to open up the floor for yourself and for everybody else. And, you know, if you're going to run him out there 35, 36 minutes per game, it's just it just bogs down the offense so much so i think he's he's just a tough guy to evaluate and, and
1: actually his effective field goal percentage was a career low last year right at, he was bad he was really bad for, for a lot, lot, lot
2: of last season he turned it around toward the end but yeah he he struggled coming off that all, that uh, all-star campaign in 2013 14 Underrated player for me on this team is Patrick Patterson. Um, I think he's just going to get a lot of minutes. You look at that power forward rotation. Behind him is Luis Scola. He's getting up there in age, kind of contrasting styles, a guy that you don't really want to play more than maybe 15 minutes per game. James Johnson still around. Dwayne Casey never really seemed to deploy James Johnson. It was kind of random when he would come in. And, you know, I think he got a couple DNPs in the beginning of that first round series and wasn't used until game three or four. I'm um, not really too worried about him cutting into minutes. I just think Patrick Patterson is—you saw a bunch of minutes off the bench last season, and now Amir Johnson's gone, so by default, he kind of gets bumped up.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good call. I, I like I like Patterson uh, a little bit. I think for my for my underrated guy, I'm gonna go with. Uh, so I mean, like I'm deciding between. Lucas Naguera, Bruno Caboco and uh Corey Joseph and I think that all those guys have a decent amount of of upside long term. Uh I think I'll go Corey Joseph just cuz I think he's going to be actually in the rotation this year and those other guys probably won't be. Uh Joseph isn't going to fill it up at all, but he's you know a really good defender. A uh, guy that can run an offense uh, with with very few mistakes, and I think that that's that's pretty valuable uh, as a backup point guard, which is all he really is probably ever going to be. But if you ever see Kyle Lowry miss, you know, ten to fifteen games or something like that, I think Joseph steps in, and he's not going to have like overwhelming assists or, or scoring numbers, but his his shooting percentages will be probably an asset to you, really, and and I think the steals could be nice too.
2: All right, let's move on to the Chicago Bulls. Most overrated player for me, and this is based really on news that came out yesterday, Joe Kim Noah. It sounds like Fred Hoiberg leaning towards starting Nikola Miritich uh, alongside Paul Gasol in what's certainly a contrast from the Bulls teams that we've seen under Tibbs. Obviously, they were much more defensive focused. Now it sounds like Hoiberg likes the pairing of, of Taj Gibson and Joe Kim Noah off the bench. I hate that pairing from an offensive perspective. Um, you know, Palgasol and Miratich together on the floor seems great in principle, I feel like, offensively, but mm-hmm. how are they gonna protect the rim if that's the case?
1: Yeah, I mean, not. they're not. I mean, I mean Pau Gasol is a better defender, I think, than people give him credit for, but he's still uh, probably a below average rim protector. Uh it's just kind of one of those things where you can kind of see the motives, but they don't quite make sense. Like you can see why like Pau would just – I feel like be, the, the fact that they're doing this tells me that he was just not going to accept a bench roll. And Joakim Noah is a good enough teammate where he will accept a bench roll. Um, and they really wanted to start Miritich. So, like, the line of thinking was we need to start Miritich. Well, who who will go to the bench? Well, Noah will be okay going to the bench. So that's what we're going to do. But then you kind of look at the, the cause – the effects of that and you just look at the defense is going to really struggle the offense is going to struggle when Gibson and Noah are on the court so uh, really would have made more sense to just if you you can't get Gasol to buy into a bench roll then just kind of have Miritich come off the bench and play him starters minutes because it's not like Miritich has really earned the right to start like so you don't have to worry about making him happy you can still give him those minutes um, but you just want to you kind of want to have either Gibson or Noah on the court at, at the at different times and that's going to be more difficult to do this way
2: yeah I think that's an interesting point I, I almost think Miritich was a little bit overvalued last season you know kind kind of became a fan favorite there's a lot of pandering for him to get more minutes under Tibbs he wasn't a great defender so he ended up you know sticking around 20 minutes per game but 40% shooting from the field 31% from three for a guy who I think maybe unjustly earned the reputation as a knockdown shooter. I think he was more of a streaky shooter than a knockdown shooter from three, I, at least. Why not play him at small forward? Is, is well, that a, do you think that's something they consider to go Rose, uh, Rose at the one, obviously Butler at the two, and then you could keep uh, Noah and Gasol in the front court and then go Miritich at the three.
1: I think they they will be able to do that at times this year. It's not a going to be a sustainable thing against a lot of teams that play uh, more you know slasher types at, at the at the three just because I don't think anybody would be able to stick with that guy uh, Miritich I'm, I'm kind of giving him a mulligan on his shooting percentages from last season just because it's you know his first year he's kind of getting a lot of minutes really relative to his experience in the NBA I think that that uh, just watching him like he's got a a beautiful release and he, he just looks the part of a guy that, that in time will be uh, an asset in that department so I wouldn't be surprised if he made big strides if he doesn't though then I, I definitely think he and I mean he could be like the next Daniil Gallinari at that point which isn't really a compliment um, my uh, uh, my overrated guy is going to be uh, Derek Rose and I don't know if that is re- what i don't know if that really counts what? anymore just because it seems like everyone's kind of down on derrick yep. rose i had the same same pick.
2: i think this one's pretty obvious you know not even not even too much to talk about with yeah, him it's yeah. just um yeah your name yeah
1: uh so then for our underrated guys who who do you got there
2: uh hmm.
1: i was i was gonna go uh tony snell that's who. Um,
2: that's who I have written down. I'm. Just, I don't know. I like. I do like Tony Snell a lot, but I just wonder how much you know. Like we just talked about, Miritich like kind of sneaking into that rotation at the three. Well, and then I, Douglas I think. Dermott.
1: I think Snell to me is like. He's he's the opposite of Demar Derozan, where he's a really good defender and a really good shooter. And, right. And that's, I'd rather, but, that, but not much else. I'd rather have that, have a guy that's just really good at those two things and, like, can't, you know, get his own shot off the dribble and stuff like that than, than a guy like DeRozan. Uh, and and you don't have to give Snell more than, like, 24, 25 minutes a game. And I think that'll probably be the way that shakes out. So, I mean, I think that he's someone that a lot of people really aren't paying attention to that could be useful in deeper formats.
2: Yeah. The Snell McDermott dynamic is going to be interesting to keep an eye on because they, are basically complete opposites of each other they both can shoot mm-hmm. fairly well um you know mcdermott obviously a little bit better shooter than snell snell more of a catch and shoot guy but such a better defender i think you know everybody's expecting with this dunleavy injury that mcdermott is going to finally have his chance to shine but i just don't know if he's going to be good enough defensively especially if they're going to go with you know murtich and gasol in the front court I don't, can you really have three big time liabilities in your front court at a time i guess what sort remains of to be seen
1: <laughs> what if they, what if they go with a I would, I would just really love to see a, a Heinrich, uh, oh, McDermott, Miritich, uh Gasol lineup at some point. Like, it,
2: it just, it'll happen just, just, at just, some point. Just, just really sure kind of
1: the run and gun Chicago just, Bulls. Just really kind of load up the the white guys that can't play defense and yeah. just like it, I mean, is McDermott could kind of take the uh, baton from JJ Redick as being the the token guy that gets crossed up on on highlight videos and falls yeah. to the ground and has his ankles broken on a fairly regular basis. Cleveland Cavaliers,
2: most overrated player to me, it was kinda hard looking up and down this roster. Um I went with Timothy Mazgoff. I think he's, you know, a guy who's being drafted pretty late in a lot of drafts, you know, definitely, you know, one hundred, one fifty ish type of range. Um I think Anderson Verzau coming back, they're gonna have to find some minutes for him. I think with Tristan Thompson signing you know, he's Kevin Love is going to be playing a ton of minutes at power forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that means that Thompson might see a little more time at center. This team has so much versatility in the front court that they can kind of specialize their personnel based on who who's on the floor for the other team. And I could see there being games where Miles Goff is kind of used as almost a boget type of guy where, you know, he'll probably start the game. But, you know, if the team tries to go small and, you know, kind of keep the Cavs, you know, catch the Cavs off guard, I guess Tristan Thompson could end up playing minutes, both uh, big minutes on a lot of nights. So I think Goff is going to be good. This isn't really necessarily an indictment on him at all. I just think that he his playing time could be maybe a little bit more inconsistent than you'd like if you're a fantasy owner.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I, I went for, for overrated. I went Tristan Thompson just because kind of the same reasons. I mean, I, I just don't see enough of a workload for him to really be all that useful in the regular season i mean he's he's gonna play and what's he gonna do like eight and a half points eight and a half boards something like that i mean that's not i don't really... even know if he gets
2: to eight and a half rebounds a lot yeah of nights. yeah he might not the um, other question with him is he gonna be ready right away he's at. he was at the facility on thursday taking his physical and then officially signing the deal but like does anybody know what kind of shape he's in like, is it gonna take a month before he's really back to being himself
1: yeah, it's it's hard to say, and there's just so many bodies. I mean, so many power forwards on this team that it's just going to be hard for him. I think to to play enough, and and it's so fresh in people's minds how good he was in the finals last year that I think he might get overdrafted for that reason. Yeah, underrated guy for me.
2: I thought this one was pretty obvious, Mo Williams. Um, and, <laughs> so obvious. Well, <laughs> I mean, for the first, I think this is clearly a, you know for the first two or three months okay. he's going to be uh, underrated. Sure. I think he's going to see a ton of minutes. They don't really want to play Delavadova too much. No. Um, and you know Point guards who play alongside LeBron generally start to shoot better from three. I think Mo Williams is going to see a ton of catch-and-shoot opportunities. This is a guy who already takes enough three-pointers on his own that I think this is just going to be kind of a perfect role for him to be able to sit back and basically be a spot-up shooter. So maybe the assist numbers will fall. He's never been a great rebounder, but I think if you're looking for three-point production, Mo Williams could be a nice pick as he fills in for Kyrie. All
1: right, I'm going to say Kevin Love. Uh that's a good one. Just cuz I don't I don't know. I mean it depends where he's getting drafted. Like I think he's probably not underrated if you have to take him in the second round, but if if you can get him in the 3rd or the 4th, I think that's that's pretty nice value just cuz I think he's going to be very very consistently good. Like it's not going to be vintage Kevin Love, like Minnesota Kevin Love, but that's obviously not to be expected, but I, I definitely think he might be getting slept on mm-hmm. in some leagues. This is a guy who, you know, according to ESPN
2: leagues, uh, is ADP is thirty two point four. So if you're if you're in a ten team yeah, league, I, mean, I would then take him. I would round. take
1: him in the kind of twenty five ish range. I think he's so, going behind got a guy like Rudy Gay. Yeah, that's that's not okay. That's I mean I get it. Like but the volume definitely right. isn't going to be comparable between those two, but uh, just you know what is. Yeah, I mean uh, I just obviously. think he
2: can't be first of all he wasn't as bad as people made him out to be last no. season, right? I think he people kind of started to pile on Kevin Love and somehow there was this belief that Kevin Love was underachieving and he didn't fit with the Cavaliers. But like if you look at his numbers, they were fairly on par at least on a per minute basis for what he was doing in Minnesota. And you got to take into account the supporting cast. Like when you're playing with you know West Johnson or whoever it was in Minnesota, your your numbers are going to look a little better. Your usage rate's going to be way up. Um, you know field goal percentage wise he was down a couple points but two seasons ago in Minnesota he shot 35 percent so I I don't really know what exactly people were expecting from there 37 percent from three I think that's right around you know it's above his career average I, I, I don't know I just think he was he was unjustly criticized in a lot of ways last season and you know the 10 point per game drop in scoring looks bad but when you consider he's playing alongside Kyrie and LeBron two guys with really high usage rates like I think that's just what's going to happen
1: and i always thought he was overrated from a real life perspective when he was playing in minnesota like people that thought he was like a top 10 player in the league like i i never saw that just based on his inabilities defensively but for fantasy purposes this year i'll, I'll say that uh, he is uh, underrated
2: um, all right let's move on to detroit
1: overrated guy for you is this is actually my easiest team on both both counts uh, overrated for me is contavious caldwell pope i i just don't get it i don't get the fascination with him at all he's been below average ever since he stepped into the league i mean can't really shoot enough to be a shooting guard uh don't really know what else he does well uh it's just really kind of boggles my mind that he would be their starting shooting guard but that might be the case i guess to, to start things off
2: yeah, they have Jody Meeks, they have Stanley Johnson who I think maybe profiles as more of a small forward long term but you can mm-hmm. see him sliding down to shooting guard certainly has the size for that. Coldwell Pope doesn't really give you anything outside of volume three point shooting, and right? I mean Yeah, it's
1: not really efficient for the position either. No, so.
2: 34% last season. You know, Stan Van Gundy has raved about him throughout the summer, throughout training camp, but I feel like we had the same dance last yeah. season, and he ended up shooting 34% from three. So yeah, I agree with you on KCP as overrated, and I think Stanley Johnson you know, could kind of encroach on that. Underrated to me was just this entire kind of small forward, power forward, stretch forward group. Um, it sounds like they're going to go with Ilyasova and Marcus Morris as the, star- as the two starters at those spots to begin the year. Like I said, I think Johnson kind of gets his name in there as well, but... All three of those guys could end up having decent value, I believe. I think they're gonna get open looks. They're they're finally gonna be in an offense that fits their style, especially a guy like Ilyasova, who's been such on you know, such roller coaster numbers over the last few years in Milwaukee. I think he can finally settle into a,
1: a more consistent do role. You, do you trust him at all? Like I no, mean No, no, no. That's the toughest thing is like I totally love the idea of having a Ryan Anderson type of guy at, at the four next to Drummond, but Ilya Sova's floor and his ceiling are just so far apart and that, that even counts when he's getting minutes. Like with the bucks, there were times when he was getting minutes and just putting up terrible numbers and that, and it's just really hard to know when he's going to be good and when he's going to stink. So I, I'm not a guy that I think you should be reaching on like, but uh definitely a guy that I think has the potential to have uh, a ton of value.
2: Yeah. And if you're in a league that counts charges taken, obviously I think you guys, <laughs> Ilya Sova may be a first round consideration, um you know, the opportunities there are pretty much endless um
1: my my underrated is Jody Meeks uh, who I think should absolutely be starting at shooting guard and probably seeing like 30 minutes a game there uh just he's basically what people want to tell you that Contavious Clowell Pope is I mean he's right. he's actually a good shooter uh and he's a guy that really knows his role I mean he's just going to be out there stretching the defense and You know, if he gets hot, he's one of those guys that could hit seven or eight threes in a night. So uh, that's the guy that I would look to be starting at the two at some point.
2: Right, definitely the best Jody in the league at this point. Let's move on (laughs) to the Indiana Pacers. Evan Turner, uh, or excuse me, Evan Turner, Miles Turner, I have as my my overrated guy. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth on him. I didn't like the pick initially coming out of Texas. I think he probably could use another year of seasoning. Um, And I think that's kind of what's going to end up happening this year. I think he... They're so thin in the front court that you almost think he has to end up playing big minutes at some point. But I think he's going to be so raw, and this team with Paul George looking like vintage Paul George uh, is maybe going to be a little bit better than some people think. I think they might—they're going to be in the conversation at least for the eight seed. I don't know if mm-hmm. they're—I don't know if they're the favorite, but they're in the conversation. And I think Turner's going to be just too, a little bit too raw, a little too much of a liability, probably on both ends, that he's going to end up playing a lot behind Jan Mahimi and, and maybe even Jordan Hill.
1: Yeah, I'll. I'll say Turner too, and I I didn't think that he would be this highly rated. I guess you know, like, but you know, people have been commenting on like my article uh, where I did like the top top fifty players under twenty five, and people are like wondering where where's Miles Turner, and it's like, well, obviously didn't think he was top fifty player under twenty five. That's what he You is. didn't just like, forget about no. Him. like, I mean, it, he's he's a project. He's a center that's a project, and it doesn't matter like when was it doesn't matter like how bad the team is like and how bad the players are at that position centers that have this much work to do don't see big minutes like it's just never you don't throw like a center like that to the wolves and say here's 30 minutes a game even though you clearly are not ready to handle it like that's just not how it works in the nba so uh, if you think that if you're looking at that depth chart and like well he might be the only good guy they have there well it's like that, that maybe long term he might be the only good guy they have there but uh they're still gonna roll like I mean the they almost they super outperformed expectations last year with with just Jan Mahimi playing decent amount of run, I think he'll he'll get that again.
2: All right, who's your underrated player for this team? Uh
1: my underrated player had one. Where was he? Um
2: Was it Rakeem Christmas? <laughs> was
1: it CJ Fair? Uh <laughs> I'll say Joseph Young, um, but I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think he has a ton of value this year. But I definitely, you know, he's been decent in the preseason. I think that he's he could be a volume guy, uh, but I, I don't know where he really gets the minutes. I, I'm not a big fan of George Hill as a starting point guard, but this one's tough. I don't, there's not really anybody on this team that i think is severely underrated i could i could throw out a couple cats for you but please don't uh no we'll, we'll save that for another team <laughs> there's there's plenty of teams that have cats real quickly what do you underrated. think of george hill with the blonde hair uh i mean i think that's probably his natural calling is to to go that way um has he ever done that before i feel like that's i don't think so no okay well yeah i mean i think that's uh just a natural move for him
2: yeah and just a progression as he <laughs> as he continues his career uh real quickly my underrated player kind of copped out and just said Paul George you know okay. if, if you if there, there are probably fears especially maybe if you drafted early um that he wouldn't come back to full strength he was pretty atrocious in the six or seven games that he played at the end of last year probably never should have been back uh ended up being limited for a lot of the summer but I don't know if you saw his dunk. Uh, I think it was happening while we were both at the Bucs game in Madison on Tuesday. But huge, huge dunk down the lane. Doesn't really seem to be limited athletically at all. Nice. Um, and I think that's kind of the biggest thing for him. He's a guy that relies on that athleticism to make plays. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can pick up, you know, from accounting stats stats uh, perspective where he left off two seasons ago. But, yeah, I mean, a guy who probably saw his draft stock slip if you were worried about injuries. The Milwaukee Bucks. I think we can probably agree on who's going to be most overrated for this team. Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker. Okay. Yes, I think that we don't know when he's going to be back. First of all, that's that's a red flag in itself. It sounds you know he's been practicing since the beginning of October. Uh, First, it was he wants to make his return at a home preseason game. All of a sudden, the Bucks are out of home preseason games. They only have one. They only have one Mm -hmm. preseason game left. He's not going to play in that. Earlier this week, the Bucks come out and say, hopefully, sometime in November, he didn't suffer a setback, which is the nice you know the positive way to look at this. It's just.
1: Mm. it's just it's still it's i mean it, it it's it what however you want to label it like you can say he didn't suffer a setback but oh nice for <laughs> okay um <laughs> we have nba tv on in
2: the studio and um, the show to highlight of poor zingas getting, getting blocked swatted. by cody
1: zeller of all people which is not what you want to have happen um yeah, I, I think Parker, even if he was ready to go and like fully healthy, would have probably been my guy here. I just don't I think people overrate him based on his where he got drafted and what he did in um what he did in uh college and I just don't really see much of that other than the volume scoring translating uh to the NBA. Uh who's your underrated guy?
2: My underrated guy is Gravis Vasquez. Um I think he's gonna end up playing a little bit more then Jared Bayless. Bayless was a guy who kind of fell off really over the, mm-hmm. the final couple months of last season. Jason Kidd really likes Jared Bayless. as kind of a coach on the floor type of guy. But from a fantasy perspective, I don't think he really brings much to the table at this point. O.J. Mayo, such a streaky guy. Um, you really can't trust in fantasy or in real basketball. And you know, I think Vasquez can play both guard spots, and I think he's going to end up seeing you know over 20 minutes per game. A guy who's always been uh, good for assists, you know, 6'5, 6'6. He's an above average rebounder, good three point shooter. So I think there's a lot to like there. Um, You know, again, not one of those guys that you really necessarily want to be targeting in drafts, but I think as kind of a utility, maybe end of the bench type of guy, there's going to be a lot of value there.
1: Yeah, I would have gone, I would have probably gone Vasquez too. The other guy I'll throw out, uh, actually, I'll throw out two guys Uh, OJ Mayo and John Henson, I think are both going to get plenty of run early on because of the Jabari issue and uh, you know Giannis is a little banged up too so I think uh, I think yeah I think OJ Mayo probably sees what like 28 minutes a game or something like that with
2: uh, I don't know I think that's where I think Vasquez comes in you know I don't think they want Mayo playing 28 minutes per game
1: I don't know why they wouldn't I mean juice Uh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) somebody photoshopped him, his body and head uh, with the weekend's face, I saw this on Twitter yesterday, and it is remarkably similar with the hair that he has going on now. So nice. another guy to keep on the the hashtag hair watch list early in the season.
1: Okay, well, so <laughs> <laughs> so, so transitioning from that. So uh, how many minutes do you think Henson sees with? I don't with think he sees Parker. that many. Anyway.
2: Like, like I said, we were both at the game on Tuesday. And I don't think Kim and Monroe were on the floor together for more than a couple minutes, if at all. Okay, the, that's just not a pairing that they like. I think. I think ideally you'd you know you'd like to be able to slide Monroe down to the four, but you know, one of the big reasons that he came to Milwaukee was he didn't want to play the four. That's not his natural spot. They don't necessarily want him there, you know, when Jabari Parker's healthy. So I think well, I think Giannis is gonna end up seeing more minutes at the four than anybody else.
1: Okay, well that this kinda goes to my my O. J. Mayo thing, because okay, if you're gonna put you're gonna put Giannis at the four, that means Middleton's at the three. And that means you have 96 minutes that have to be divvied up between Carter Williams, Vasquez, Mayo, and Bayless. And at that point, I think Mayo finds a way into, you know, at least 25 of those. I mean, I I don't think they're going to play Bayless 26 or 27 minutes a game, so.
2: No, no, that's true. I think, you know, I think Chris Copeland maybe sneaks into there. Oh, no. Optimus Cope, um, Rashad Vaughn. Even I mean, he he was leading into that game on Tuesday. He was leading the Bucks in field goal attempts <laughs> and minutes in the preseason. Uh has yeah, been a, is, an early season surprise. It, it I don't think he becomes. Yeah, I don't think he becomes a consistent. You know, more than 15 minutes per game by any means. Maybe 10 might even be his upside um but yeah i mean this is the same similar bucks team that we saw last season that's going to go 12 deep on a lot of nights and it's going to be hard to predict yeah yeah you know, there true. might be a night where oj mayo plays 36 minutes but then the next night he might only play 16
1: really the only guys that you can super trust from a minute's perspective are middleton monroe and Giannis to me
2: and johnny o'brien playing right. like six job <laughs> <laughs> very disappointed you missed the oop <laughs> uh the left too early.
1: People are talking about the it. Cole the call center was on oop. fire when that when that <laughs> happened. Just
2: a lot of uh who is that guy? Why is he wearing number 77? I don't know. Um the Atlanta Hawks my overrated guy for them is Dennis Schroeder. Did you see his comments yesterday that he wants he basically said I want to start or I want out? <sighs> what a
1: badass. Yeah, I, I <laughs> guess that's one way to look at it. <laughs> um you know, I I kind of get it, like, because I, I do think he's probably a top, I don't know, 25 point guard in the league from a talent perspective. And so. I should I should
2: make it clear right away, he didn't say, like, I'm demanding a trade right now mm-hmm. if I don't start. I think it was more of a longer term, you know, maybe end of the season type of situation.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's hard not to, I mean, it look, it's so easy to do the hot take, like, be a good teammate type of thing with, yeah. with a comment like that, but you know he's when he hits free agency like he could get a max deal if he just gets the right amount of run you know before that and it's gonna cost him you know probably like 30 30 million dollars or so right and if, if he's kind of in the same him. boat as Reggie Jackson was right. with OKC
2: right I mean a guy who when he has had opportunities has played really well but still somewhat of an unknown just because of the players ahead right. of him and some team, if some somebody's going to be paying Reggie Jackson four for eighty, I think that number is certainly realistic for Schroeder.
1: Like, I think, I think Schroeder, if he was on the like the Celtics, I think he'd be by far the best guard and and could could get like a ton of minutes there. I mean, if he was on the Nets, I think he'd get a ton of minutes. I mean, there's there's plenty was, of
2: that's actually an interesting trade you know situation if they if they were looking to deal on a team that would be interested. But like then you look at yeah, it, what are the next sign anything. back? They have no
1: picks. Yeah, they don't have anything to to no. offer there. Um, you know, the Knicks are a yeah, team that he would that's, be That's actually really interesting, on. too. Uh, I mean, there's tons of teams. And I get it from the Hawks' perspective, too, because they love Schroeder. I mean, he's an awesome asset. I mean, he's probably the best backup point guard in the league. So I get that you would need something very significant back for him. But uh, I I'm not going to label those comments as being, you know, a bad teammate. I no, guess no, you, you hope all. that he, you keep a comment like that between your agent and the team and not the media, but uh, – yeah, that's that's interesting that you think he's he's over, overrated maybe from a pit perspective. I just think
2: he's not going to see like he's not going to unseat Jeff T. when I mean, no. T was an all-star okay, last so, season. Okay, so
1: so he saw 19.7 minutes per game last year and put up like numbers honestly that are like useful in deeper leagues just because yeah. of the assists and the the solid field goal percentages, you know, the you know, a little bit here here and there in in three-pointers and steals. I think you could reasonably say that, that that ticks up to, like, 24, 25 minutes per game this year. Uh, not necessarily coming at the expense of Teague, but just at the shooting guard spot. And That is true. That's the big thing. With Damari Carroll
2: leaving and this team now going probably with Cephalosha as one of the wing guys, there maybe is a little bit more opportunity yeah. for him to see run at the two. I didn't really think of that That's If if he,
1: If he sees, like, 25 minutes a game, I think you could be looking at, like, 14 points, like, five and a half assists and at that point you have a guy that's useful in in a lot of formats. Uh, My overrated guy for them, this was kind of tough because I I think their four stars are kind of, if anything, underrated, but uh, Tim Hardaway is a guy that I wouldn't really be touching. Not a guy that it didn't make any sense for me why they acquired him. He's just not an Atlanta Hawks type of guy. I mean, he was below 40% from the field last year. He shoots it okay from three, like 35%, I guess, but not a good defender either so i mean at that point there's there's no real reason to have him on the court so i think they're going to go pretty heavy on on cephalosha there much to the chagrin of fantasy owners
2: i went underrated on tim hardaway i think oh. i'm like i'm like the one percent of people who still have some faith in tim hardaway and i have a very hard time defending that that viewpoint i don't know i think i just have an irrational love for a guy who's a good athlete not afraid to shoot the ball at all by any means um like you said, not an Atlanta Hawks type of guy at all. So I'm really intrigued to see how this ends up working out. Um, but you know, if he gets the run, I think the one category that he can really contribute in is three pointers. So somewhat of a specialist and this Atlanta Hawks team does love to shoot threes. So, you know, very, very high risk, high reward, I guess. Well, for Tim Hardaway. not a high
1: risk. I mean, you're not going to have to take him high. It's just a guy that I, yeah, it's just a guy that I would not be using one of my late round picks on, but the, I suppose if if he fully buys into their their system and can make some strides defensively and play good team defense, then he could get enough minutes mm-hmm. to be useful. But he's still only going to be like the fifth option on that that offense. If, right. he's, if he gets true. those kind of that's minutes, that's true.
2: And the Knicks are kind of like the kings of the East in that right. you know those that's first a two seasons. Great, great you place have to, to
1: throw out. I mean, great place to kind of put up minutes. Also, yep. if you can't like if you can't put up like. Big numbers on that Knicks team last year. I mean, that that's troubling. Yeah. Uh, who's your? So that was your underrated. My underrated is going to be Kyle Korver. We talked about him on the podcast before. I really just think it's it's impossible to fully grasp how valuable having a shooter like that is, who can also hold his own defensively. So, you know, I think that that's an asset that every team in the league would really kill for, and the Hawks are lucky to have him. All right, four teams left in the Eastern Conference. We continue with the Charlotte Hornets. Who's
2: your underrated player for them?
1: Um, I'm gonna say Troy Daniels, and that's might be a kind of an off the board pick. Frank Kaminsky is a guy that I I, th- I think is underrated, but I don't really want to go with the rookie here just because it's it's kind of hard to say. Uh, you know exactly what he'll do or, or what people are expecting of him but Troy Daniels to me is someone that you look at their shooting guard situation uh, with Batum having to slide over to the the three there there's there's really a lot of minutes to be had and you know, Jeremy Lin I think we have listed at first at shooting guard on the depth chart I think that could be a complete disaster if you have if you have Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lin as your starting guards defensively you're just going to get waxed night in night out this
2: team has a potential now with especially with the loss of MKG to be really really bad
1: right and uh Troy Daniels is a guy that he's a volume scorer but a guy that I think could shoot 40 percent or better from three in the right scenario and someone that has you know he's six foot four he's got a decent size I, I think he's a guy to just kind of keep an eye on
2: yeah I went with Frank Kaminsky
1: Yeah, you know, I yeah no I'd that's a, as a rookie and probably the guy that I, I'm going to try to target him in a lot of drafts for sure yeah we
2: won't talk too much about him as we have we've spoke about him quite a bit in the past you know just the ability to play both power forward and center he's a nice contrast to Al Jefferson Cody Zeller is a better defender um and I think that's going to keep him on the court quite a bit but you know they have invested so much in Frank Kaminsky that apparently turned down that five first round pick offer from Danny Ainge. And I think it's gonna stupid. Give him the
1: I think it's stupid that people are just judge like. How many people have you heard judge that trade when Kaminsky hasn't even played like a minute in the NBA yet? Yeah, you know, right. like everyone's just like laughing at the oh classic Hornets. You know, right. declining that trade. Well, it's like he offered it to him for a reason. I mean, that was a valuable spot in the draft. There were still. Some potentially like franchise changing pieces on the board. I thought there Kaminsky I mean, might be one of those guys. I think that you gotta at least kind of let the the Hornets at least run it out there and, and sort mm-hmm. of show what they what they think right. they have. I mean, there's a
2: pretty good chance that maybe they'll regret that. I think that's that goes without saying. But uh-huh. like you said, at the same time, it's far too early to make that judgment. Who is your overrated player for this team?
1: Uh Cody Zeller. Just because I don't same. I don't think he should. Really be seeing that many minutes? I mean, look at look at his numbers from last year. Like on a per game per I'm game trying to, to access them and it's blocked. Uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. We have a filter at, at <laughs> work here filter that, that not letting me look at. Yeah, that. Um, I mean, I think it was like something like seven and five or something like that, and he was starting. You know, a lot of those games. I mean, it's just really kind of bad. Uh, shouldn't be playing ahead of Kaminsky. I know that the defense. I mean, we saw what he did to Porzingis, uh, shut, shutting him down there. <laughs> but I, I just you're at least getting something out of Kaminsky. Like, you're not – he's not a zero. I mean, maybe you could say Zeller's a better defender than him, but Zeller's still kind of a below-average uh, defender for, for a power forward, yeah. so he's my guy.
2: All right, he was, yeah, I have the same pick for him, so we won't really talk much more. Miami Heat, my most overrated player is a guy that – it really pains me to say this, but Justice Winslow. Um, I think he's going to be really good down the road. I think with as deep as this team is on the wing, obviously Dwayne Wade is entrenched at shooting guard. How many games he plays, we'll see. But they added Gerald Green. They still have Lou Deng, who's somewhat of an iron man at the small forward spot. I just don't think Justice Winslow has a clear path to 20 minutes a game.
1: Yeah, I I'll echo that. Uh, he'll he'll be my guy too. Just I mean, pains me as much as it pains you. We both both are big. We fans say this with heavy hearts as a, as a player. I think it was awesome. Like for him long term that he went to the heat because I think that's a great place for him to learn, but uh, bad for his his short term prospects. Yep, who's your underrated guy?
2: Real quickly on Winslow one of the more interesting lines that I've seen in the preseason on Saturday against Houston, over two from the field in thirty minutes, but had eight assists and six rebounds. Eight assists. So doing a little bit more than just scoring. Mm-hmm. you know, obviously a guy who's a good playmaker at Duke. you kind of wonder how off, how often that translates. Uh, to the NBA level, but I think that's a really, really good sign to see a guy who plays on the wing. Uh, he has at least two assists in every game, at least three and four of his five preseason games, so it's certainly a good sign to see somebody who rebounds really, really well and, for his position and can pass the ball and isn't just a scorer.
1: And he's a guy who, just kind of given where the the heat sort of are on the the wind curve with, with Dwayne Wade, you know, his, his years as a quality player are definitely limited here, and Bosh, probably the same thing, Winslow's a guy like unlike Marcus Smart, who I think could establish some crazy trade value uh, later in the season and you could see him possibly moved at some point to a more favorable situation.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Underrated guy for me is Amari Stodemeyer. Very, very good in, in limited minutes, albeit with Dallas last season. I think this is probably the most underrated addition for this Miami team people have kind of written off Amari of Stademeyer on the whole and partially for good reason um you know he had that really really good season in 2010-11 and ever since then it's been you know a downward spiral filled with more injuries um you know maybe he only plays 55 games for this team but I think if you're in a situation fantasy wise where you can kind of plug and play on certain nights um I think he can be really valuable uh, Hassan Whiteside is one of the more foul prone big men in the league Chris Anderson really doesn't do a whole lot mm-hmm. for me i hate Udonis Haslam and you know Josh McRoberts is maybe the main impetus to to minutes for Amari Stoudemire off the bench but even if he's only seeing 20 minutes per game and if if you look at his sample size with Dallas and again a very small sample size just 23 games but 16 and a half minutes he shot 58 percent from the field 11 points four rebounds um you know half a steal a game so I think you're kind of paying for the the points and the rebounds with him and, and the efficiency with which he does it
1: that's he's my guy too uh Definitely would would echo everything you said there. I think that it's a really good fit for him to be coming onto the court and sharing time with with Chris Bosh because Bosh can kind of mask some of uh, Stoudemire's defensive uh, limitations, and those two guys complement each other really well offensively too because you'll see Amari – close to the hoop, and, and Bosch can be out there kind of in the corner stretching the defense, so I think that's that's a really good call.
2: All right, two more teams left in the podcast of the Eastern Conference. We'll start with your most overrated player on the Orlando Magic.
1: Ooh. Uh, I, I guess I'll say Alfred Payton.
2: Yeah, he's mine as
1: well. And it's not – you know, I don't see him losing a ton of minutes – I just don't see him really taking a step forward either from what he did last year, and that was just kind of offer mediocre starting point guard numbers. You know, I just I think that's kind of what he is. They don't have – you know, they've kind of abandoned ever trying to play Oladipo at the one, which I think makes sense based on the way that that kind of worked out initially, but I don't see uh, really a better option than Peyton on the roster, and I I don't really see a ton of production there relative to the amount of minutes he's going to get.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's gonna be a bad player this season. Yeah. You know, I think he's he'll probably give you ten points a game, close to seven assists, you know, four and a half rebounds, which is pretty good for the position. But unless he improves as a three point shooter, that's always gonna be the biggest limitation. Yeah. How about your most underrated player? I feel like I know where you're gonna go with this.
1: Man, uh yeah, it's it's pretty easy. Uh I mean probably your guy too. Uh Aaron, Devin Marble. Aaron Aaron, Aaron Gordon, obviously. Yes, for sure. Um really just love everything about him we've talked about gordon before on the podcast (laughs) uh he's just one of those guys that could be a fantasy stud like you know the the rebounds if he gets that three-point shot going the the hustle stats you know not a guy very kind of you know, I've compared him to Sean Marion before and that you just don't run any plays for him at all. You just kind of let him crash and, and run the court and hit open threes, and I, I think that that's the the perfect piece to, to add to the mix here in Orlando.
2: Yeah, and, you know, assuming he kind of takes that step as maybe the starting small forward, Peyton, Oladipo, Gordon, Harris, and Vucevic, like that pairing quite a bit, maybe leaves a little bit to be desired defensively in that, that top two front court with Harris and Vucevic, but They'll be a really fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they have Evan Fournier, a guy a lot of, a lot of people like. Mario Hezonja, we haven't talked about at all. I think he'll be one of the more fun rookies to watch. So a lot to like about the Orlando Magic. Let's finish out with the Washington Wizards. My most overrated player for them right now is Nene, just based on the fact that it, he's injured right now. It sounds like he's going to come off the bench. He's never really seemed super interested in playing well uh, when he has played. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think Chris Humphries, a guy we talked about at the top of the podcast, Um it Kardashian Humphreys, um, yeah, it's going to be his chance now to to kind of solidify himself <laughs> alongside Marcin Gortat. This Wizards team, do you see them taking a step forward overall or a step back? Is I, I
1: I'm on the sort of step back bandwagon. Yeah. Not a huge step back, no. but I think uh, labeling them as a contender in the East is is a little strong, and even saying that they're a lock to be a top four or five seed uh, doesn't seem. If you Accurate think they're a contender in
2: the East, I think the Western Conference teams would love to see this Wizards team in the finals. Right.
1: You know, the, the one case you could make for them taking a step forward is if you think John Wall's got a, a, a legitimate another gear that he can get to. Uh, even I don't, so, though, how
2: much better can he get? Second of all, would that even really be enough?
1: Like, I mean, what if he sort of became Russell Westbrook? Like, say
2: Russell Westbrook is on this team. Are they a lock to finish in the top three in the East? Just switch out those two guys.
1: Um, no, I don't think so. And like, I I guess, yeah, no. I mean, it's Wall might be a better real life player than Westbrook. Like, he because I think he's he's probably a, a better real life defender. You know, I mean, I think Westbrook gambles a lot and Wall probably has better decision making in terms of the, the shots he takes. I think he's better at getting teammates involved. Westbrook is just a crazy one-on-one scorer and probably one of the better two or three guys at that in the league, but uh so I guess okay, for my for my overrated guy, uh I'll go with Otto Porter. I don't I don't see him stepping in if he if he steps into a huge role which i still think isn't isn't a lock because i think he's gonna struggle at, at times i don't I don't see what he's good at we, we talked about him like like what do you think his best skill as a basketball player is <laughs>
2: yeah that's a good question i think they they kind of want him to be a spot-up shooter right and i don't know that that's what he is he's i just, think he's his just best skill is, is just being there. like pretty good at a lot of things like he's that's a skill
1: he's not a You know he's not a horrible, horrible. Like he's not like Austin Rivers bad at anything. So you can you can like play him and not notice him doing things poorly. And I think that that I guess is probably his best skill. But yeah, he's he's just not. And this this hurts his fantasy stuff significantly. I think he's
2: ideal as like a seventh man that you can play at multiple positions. Maybe not as your starting small forward. They're gonna miss Paul Pierce quite a bit. I think like his his
1: absolute ceiling as a fantasy guy is like PJ Tucker. (laughs)
2: Oh, come on, I think he's at a higher ceiling than that. Like
1: No, but I mean like a guy that just gets minutes and doesn't really produce anywhere. Yeah, Uh, and
2: part of that is due to the fact that that backcourt does take up so many possessions. All right, your most underrated player on this team?
1: I'll say Beal, just because there's a chance. I mean, there's a legitimate chance that he has another level to go. Like Wall, we were kind of debating how much better he could be, but I don't know if Beal gets any better but he has more in the tank like just in terms of pure talent and if you're looking for a guy like say you don't hit or you're not thrilled about your first two or three picks Beal's a guy to take sort of in those those middle rounds there that has the potential to kind of become a top 25 fantasy player
2: yeah I think so too the thing about Beal is I think he's been a little bit overrated thus far in his career he's been a good three-point shooter over 40 percent the last two years but If you look like numbers wise, he compares like very, very similarly to OJ Mayo through Mm -hmm. his first three years. So the question for me is in year four, does he continue to trend toward O. J. Mayo or does he trend more toward a guy like, you know, Jimmy Butler, maybe not the same type of player, but that type of ascension?
1: Like I wouldn't bet on I wouldn't bet on Beale like hitting his ceiling as like a Clay Thompson type, but I just think now his like draft stock has fallen to the point where you he's back to being worth the gamble, like that, right. he does hit it. I mean, he used to be getting. He used to be the guy that everyone like reached for in like the third round, which was which obviously never panned out. But right. now I think enough people have been burned that you can get him cheaper.
2: All right, that finishes out the Eastern Conference. We'll tackle the Western Conference probably next week or maybe later on in the season. Um, but before we head out, just a quick word from DraftKings Fantasy Football. Just got a whole lot more interesting in Week Seven of the NFL. DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event, $1.2 million going to first place in that. You can go to DraftKings.com now, enter the promo code ROTOWIRE. That'll allow you to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. Again, that promo code is ROTOWIRE for free entry now. This is not fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. And We should also note that you know, DraftKings is running NBA preseason contests, and obviously with the season starting on Tuesday, uh, plenty of daily NBA contests to be had for the next seven or eight months. So it's going to be great to have basketball back as, you know, the MLB winds down, the World Series gets started next week. Uh, It's a great time for sports after those, you know, that couple months lull where, you know, end of the summer, NFL starting up, college football starting up. Now we're right in the thick of it, uh, and it should be a a great NBA season. I think it goes without saying that we're both very much.
0: They're going to kill the love of my life. If I don't go back to what I was doing this Friday.